Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Welcome once again to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges to encourage millennial parents on their parenting journey. Thank you for joining us. We're your host, Veronica Avila. And on this side, Omar Ramos. Today's podcast is a special one because we celebrate our dads. Yay. We've prepared, yes, yay. We've prepared a Father's Day special. We've invited our internal expert, Dr. Alicia Laos, as well as other Family Bridges members who will be sharing their experiences with their fathers, with their papas. We'll introduce them as we talk to them. And we're going to go ahead and start with Dr. Alicia Leos. Tell us a little bit about your father. I know that he's not around anymore, but talk about a little bit about his, his legacy and what he meant to you. Yeah. Well, he raised six strong daughters, him and, and my mom. And he had quite the hard life. It started pretty early on. He started working here when he was eight, joined my grandfather's construction company, and so he was put to work, and I don't know, he was 12 or something like that when he became a master construction. I mean, he was really building, and they built at that point um, in the Dominican Republic some of the known buildings that at that time Trujillo, which was the dictator, was held. So, you know, he definitely was a hard worker from a big family. He did grow up, though, in a home that was pretty split. It was a fragmented home his his father ended up leaving and his his mother mm-hmm. um, with all the kids that were left so it was a very hard life for my dad and he had to really help and provide for him as well as for my uncles I guess mm-hmm. and at one point it, things got so hard that he ended up going back and being sent to live with his mother. So he had a hard life at the beginning of his journey, Mm. but things lived on and Mm -hmm. he was able to overcome them. And I think what I gain from my father is just a strong sense of vision and a strong sense of faith in his life. So there was a lot that I think he was definitely a hard worker. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I definitely take away from, from and we him. can see that we see that at family bridges <laughs> i think the community does as well because yeah. you do a wonderful job and you're always willing to help out now i know we had a summit not too long ago and you shared a story about something uh, that you were just talking about when he was sent on a, on a train i don't know if you want to share a little bit about that i know i was very touched by that story i was inspired i was like wow Tell us more about it so people know sure, what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, so like I said, he, he was raised in a home that was fragmented, very strong spiritual mother. But ultimately, things were just very hard for him and his siblings. Mm-hmm. And so he was sent to live with his stepmother. He was sent on a, on a bus ride to the other side of the country mm. um, by himself when he got there. There was no one to pick him up. So that just mm-hmm. gives you a hint of how difficult it was for him. So thanks to the kindness of strangers, he made it to his home. But that just started a journey of a very difficult young years, adolescence. His mother, his stepmother, excuse me, was just very harsh, um, very abusive verbally as well as physically. Uh, you know, at what point through um, a burning pot on his back. So that's just one example of just the atrocities he lived. As soon as he turned 18 and he could leave, he did. And he went to the Marines for four years and he served there. Came out of that and became pretty successful because he had good skills. He had learned that from his dad. Mm -hmm. But we hear that he was pretty much a drunk, would buy drinks for the house kind of a thing. But at one point, I think he he was having, he had a, a spiritual experience. He was just ridden with bitterness and a lot of hate for his stepmother and all the things that he had lived and that obviously carried with him and one point they came and did a serenade and it went to the wrong house so he was sleeping (laughs) and the serenade was supposed to be someone else but it went to him and and it was the song that really touched him and he had kind of a spiritual experience 
Um, his mother prayed for him forever, and, and he was someone that read the Bible like 13 times but never mm-hmm. really did anything with it until that moment. And so he had a completely 360-degree change at that point, just turned his life around. Wow. What was amazing is that it was with deeds in so many ways. We learned years later, I was an adolescent, mm-hmm. when I learned that he not only forgave his stepmother, mm-hmm. but he was actually financially supporting her. Yeah. Um, so he kept supporting her as well as my grandmother. It was just pretty solid, his change and his forgiveness. And the role of forgiveness was something that was his way of being, just exuded a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had so many experiences. One of them, I can remember, I, and this is what I shared at the summit, and a story I share a lot, when I was in middle school, I was sitting in a PE class, and we were sitting in a cafeteria around tables and working on some work. And this one kid, he had a crush on me. I didn't know. I was, I don't know, 13 years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he was just invading my personal space. And he would just right here on my back. You could, I could <laughs> feel the hairs on my back. So I just, you know, kept telling him, leave me alone. He didn't. So I jabbed him with my elbow. You know, it didn't work. I like three times. Get away. <laughs> and it didn't work. And it, so at one point, I'm going to do the same thing again, you know. And I look up and my eye was met with his feet, fist. So here I am, you know, head full of curly hair, really skinny, really shy, really withdrawn. And I'm finding myself in the principal's office. And you got to understand, I'm like a straight A kind of shy. It just it didn't make sense. Black eye. <laughs> My sisters actually laughed for a whole month. <laughs> but at that moment, I didn't think it was funny. I was just feeling a lot of shame. But my dad came to the principal's office and, you know, he just calmed me down. I was freaking out. I was just a hot mess. But after I calmed down, so he was my hero. And then he goes across the aisle and the kid is there and he talked to him and he just forgave him. And he explained to him, you know, that you just don't hit women and mm-hmm. you have to control. And he, so he had a fatherly conversation with this one wow. kid. We were driving home. And my dad is like, you just don't know what everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. He just really a top forgiveness not only did he live it but he he passed it on generation to generation that's beautiful that is amazing thank you so much for sharing that and you know getting to know uh, you doctor and also your sister sarah your sister's always boasting about your dad being such a huge sports fan baseball fanatic Mm -hmm. and and i wish i could have met him how did this influence your sports preference? I don't know if you follow sports or not, but I know Sarah does. Can you talk a little Sarah bit about that? Sarah does a lot more than <laughs> I do, but I don't miss a World Cup, I tell you. I felt like when we were watching the Cubs <laughs> one, it was kind of like the World Series. Yeah, the World Series, yeah. yeah. I, the Cubs won. Yeah, that thing. That thing. You know, <laughs> that one thing. No, I remember I was actually overseas and I had to watch it, and Sarah and I were watching it, and we were almost watching it with him. It was a real mm. surreal experience because we grew up, you know, this is how you throw the baseball and this is the position and this is a curved ball and, you know, the whole nine yards. I just unfortunately didn't pick up that interest as much as some like Sarah did, but um, he definitely tried <laughs> to teach me. So I, I, it's a World Series and I watch it even though I'm not into yeah. sports, but I just feel like I have to do that yeah. in honor of him. <laughs> when it comes to, um, you know, his birthday, you know, when he was around and uh, Father's Day, what was like the biggest gift you ever gave him and vice versa? Good question. I don't, we weren't big growing up into all this gift giving in Mm -hmm. terms of now, you know, you're always giving gifts. I don't really remember. My dad traveled a ton. 
it was kind of funny. Yeah, we missed him from time to time, but he spent so much quality. He was so present when we were there that I don't even ever have a lapsus of times that I feel that he was absent, even mm. though in retrospect, my mom was like, yeah, he was in Venezuela for, you know, four months or something. But we didn't feel that because when he, he was with us, he was very present. So I think what we would do was just really great family meals. It was six girls, so you know we would put bow ties in his hair and think that he, we could dress him up and stuff. And he just would let us climb on top of him and have those kinds of memories. And he was very gracious. We'd take his pants and cut them up and use them to do doll dresses. You know, he was just very patient with but us. How cool! I mean, he had uh, six uh, girls, right? Six of you, six, yeah, six so girls. So he he played along. That was that's pretty nice. Yeah, he was very gracious. <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect. Love it. What is the legacy that he left behind and that you would like to continue on in future generations? He was definitely a visionary. So my dad and my mom started several different schools in the Dominican Republic and churches and planted lots of them. But we would take road trips. He would embellish our developing also. I, I used to love making up things that we would be building. In the, in the, and I remember taking road trips for 12 hours. We would drop off my sisters to college. And he would really encourage us to just make up stuff. Mm -hmm. Literally 12 hours just sitting there like building resorts that as a 12-year-old, 8-year-old could really develop them. Mm -hmm. So he would actually foster a lot of that. I also was a very curious child and I did drive my sisters and my mom pretty crazy. <laughs> With the wise, and so they would always send me to him, and he'd patiently answer, you know, why is the sky blue and stuff like that. And so I think um, what I get from him is just that sense of vision and strong faith, mm. very, very strong faith. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dr. Alicia Lewis, for sharing your experiences with us. Now we welcome Bill Farrell. Did I say that correctly? Uh, close. It's Bill Farrell. Bill Good Farrell. Or you could okay. say you could call me Will Farrell too. <laughs> of course. You could try that if you want. <laughs> Our very own in Chicago. sounds like Will Farrell, right? <laughs> yeah. Bill, well, welcome once again. I know we've had Thanks. you here before. We want to like reintroduce you to our audience. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I work for uh, Family Bridges. Mm -hmm. I, throughout the, gosh, my adult career, I have uh, worked uh, with churches. I've worked in not-for-profit. Always it has been around the area of uh, family and marriages. I'm also I'm uh, married. Been married 33 years. Have uh, two. Thank you. Uh, two wonderful kids. Uh, a daughter who's 27 and she's married. Lives here in Chicago. And then a son who's 31. I can't believe he's that old, but uh, <laughs> he's 31 and he's married and he has three little girls: a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. They're and they're adorable. And there was a contest, and it did come out that they are the cutest girls in the world. So, I don't know if you know they that. won. They won. Awesome. Yeah, they won. Yeah, they won. That's an unbiased grandfather for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, listen up. Um, Bill wrote a blog called "What Will Be Your Legacy," where he talks about his dad's legacy, mm. tells about it, and the whole snow cone story that was very fascinating, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so the story with that is that uh, my father was an academic. He was a professor at the university in literature. And so a lot of our conversations around the dinner table had to do with what you were reading and that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, from that, I, all of our, uh, my family got this real passion for, for learning and for reading. But I remember when I was in fourth grade, my father tells me that he had volunteered to coach our baseball team. Mm -hmm. Now, that really surprised me because my father had never shown any interest in sports, unlike Alicia's father, mm -hmm. uh, except for golf. 
And I didn't know he knew anything about baseball, and the years that he coached showed that he didn't. Uh, so, 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 you know, but he, his, his approach was, I mean, we did practice and all that, but we had, and I remember we had 20 games in a summer, and we lost all of them except for one. And the one that we didn't lose was because it was forfeited. The other team didn't show up. And so, so I don't think my father knew a whole lot about baseball. But I remember he, one of the things that he would do to motivate us is he would say, if you guys win, Mm-hmm. I'm going to treat the snow cones. Uh, no, that's gotcha. a great motivation. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So after the games, he would sit us down and he would tell us, you know, how uh, how we played. He would he would go over, you know, you guys played hard. You tried. I saw that out there, and that you were enjoying yourself, and you played like champs. Mm-hmm. And then he would pause, and this little smile on his face, and then he would shout out, "Snow cones for everyone." Even though we had lost, you know, and we just stampeded toward the snack bar. Of course. And he did that. Yeah, he did that every single game. And my father did that. He did that because he couldn't help himself. He, my father was a really giving person, ah. a really loving person. That's something that I got. And even at that, at that age, I knew that I was loved. You know, as much as a, you know, a fourth grader could understand yeah. that, I knew I was loved. And, and even as I've gotten older, I've realized how much I was loved as a child. He coached the team not because he loved sports, not because he was a competitive person, mm-hmm. but because he loved me. I knew it then and as, a, as I got older and as an adult and as a, as a father myself, I realized that more and more. That's awesome. I, I, I don't know, and I'll take the opportunity to send a shout out to all those great dads that just like Bill's dad, don't really know the sport or don't really know about a certain activity or a certain hobby, but they go ahead, they try it, and they do it just because, out of their love for yeah. their kids. That's awesome. Yeah. You go ahead and you do it. You do if- it. You do it. You know, one of the things that, you know, I know this podcast is called The Struggle is Real. And the struggle is real. Chal- uh-huh. It's challenging. But also, parenting is fun. Yeah. You know, I think that's what we need to embrace, too, that to delight in our kids and to have, just enjoy it as well. Yes, that's key. You know what? Sometimes I think we're so busy trying to make it the best experience that like we've talked in other podcasts that we forget to have fun. Yeah. And that's important because yeah. you still remember your dad from back then. You oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, great. I still have emotional feelings around it. You know, it, the, there's a visceral reaction that I have when I think about it. And I, I mean, I can take myself back to when I was in the fourth grade. And I just think, like, we asked the other day around the dinner table, my kids, we asked them, what are three things that describe me as a, as a mom and as your dad. Mm-hmm. And my son quickly says to my dad, playful, fun, and some other fun word. Yeah. <laughs> it was all fun related. Yeah, yeah. How about, how about mommy? <laughs> Mom was like, good worker, good cleaner up, oh and loving. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I need to be more playful. Work on that fun stuff. That <laughs> yeah. is cool. Uh, that is cool. But the a, same thing, I have an image of my dad, and I think fun, too, uh-huh. you know, because of the times, you know, he's the one that throws you up in the air and mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. and it's fun. So I think dad, there's something to speak about that yeah. fun, loving, playful yeah. spirit yeah. that dads bring. So cool. Now, this question is going to go to Bill and Omar, because I know you're both Uh-oh. fathers. Okay. Put us on the spot. Okay. Do right. you recall a time when you've gone the extra mile just to enjoy the time with your kids? You know, actually, when you say that, there's something that literally comes to mind is when I went the extra mile. A few years back. <laughs> my, me too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, a few years back, my, my daughter asked me if I would want to run a half marathon with her. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, I, I'm, a, I'm a runner, and I've done 5Ks and 10Ks. And I thought, half marathon is a stretch, but I'll do that. 
I remember, you know, the day of the race going, oh gosh, what did I get myself into? And then as I'm running, I'm going, the first five, six, seven miles were okay, but it was a stretch. And I was, then I began, there's a mantra in my head that was going, I'll never do this again. 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 This is the last time I'll ever do this. And so we finished the race and it was, it was great to finish it. Yes. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's great. I will never do that again. <laughs> and then my daughter comes up to me and she says, dad, that was fantastic. What if we run the Chicago Marathon oh, next goodness. year? <laughs> and I looked at her and you know what I said? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Of course, because my daughter asked me to do it. Of course. And so uh, we, yeah. we did. We trained and we ran the 2015 Chicago Marathon. How cool yeah. is that? I survived, that? you know, so uh, so I did go the extra mile, maybe the extra 26 mile. I don't know. 26.1. You know? yeah. yeah. And I did it. If she hadn't asked, I wouldn't have done it. Wow. So. Well, my respects to you because the yeah, Chicago Marathon is a whole different beast. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, on this side, I, I didn't run as much. I kind of drove. Uh, the thing is that I've noticed one thing about my daughter is that she's developed this appeal for history like she just loves history for some reason she's she's always talking about it we'll be driving and then we'll cross like a river or something she's like oh do you know the displays and the explorers kind of use this river to get out here and all that good stuff so it fascinates me that she's so young and she knows so much about history so they um about two weekends ago she was always talking about abraham lincoln how what a kind man he was and how he tried to end slavery and all that so i surprised her with a trip out to Springfield. So I took her out to the Abraham Lincoln Museum mm -hmm. and she was just like, wow, oh my God, this is where he actually worked. He tried to make a difference, you know, mm -hmm. during his time. And then she just said, daddy, she looks at me and she goes, you know, you might, you could be goofy at times to try to make me laugh when I mm. fell down, but this is like the coolest thing you've ever done for me. Aww. So yeah, it was one of those moments where I had to kind of turn my face around because I started getting kind of teary eyed yeah. from from my eyes, but I, I'm glad that I've been able to, even though she doesn't live with me, I'm glad that I've been able to mm -hmm. collaborate and kind of do the things that she likes to do. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're also academic things. So that's how I've kind of participated in her life, kind of doing things that she likes to do. And mm -hmm. uh, at this point, it's history and running as well. So mm. I'm kind of looking forward to maybe our first 5K or something. Yeah, so. yeah that's, that's great. awesome. Nice. That that's is awesome. And that's ex actually, my <laughs> next question was going to be, how did that make you feel? How did that make them feel? Obviously, they were both yeah. very excited that you did this special for them. Special connection, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's a, it's a special memory, and it's something we talk about. And as my daughter continues, and we both continue to run, but like she's running a, a marathon this next weekend, and you know, I support her in that. And it's just it's a, something we have in common. Pretty cool. So it's and wonderful. for the people listening to us, we just had a, we had a five k. Your daughter was there too, right? Yeah, yeah, she ran it. Yeah. And Bill yeah. was like, he was out there. I shouldn't be surprised. But <laughs> She's surprised knew. because she, if you could look at me, you know. No, no. <laughs> you did a great job. Oh, you were thanks. like our top no, guy. No, no. Eddie was the first one. Eddie was the first one. And then you came. Well, my daughter actually was the first one, but I'm not bragging. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, yeah. just a big shout out to all yeah. dads that are doing that are going the extra mile for their kids. Go dads. And I love that mm. now, more and more, doctor, as the years pass by, a lot of our millennial parents are getting more involved in their kids' lives. And that's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a study done by the CDC that does a survey, national survey, that does indicate that dads are definitely more involved than previous generations. They're changing diapers. They're playing with the kids. They're helping them with the homework, washing dishes. They're doing more worse things that maybe perhaps were previously thought as more thing. domesticated yeah. things. Yeah. Really participating in their kids' lives. And also it's kind of interesting, again, going to the play thing, that the dad's active 
play with the kids is different than the playing that mothers mm-hmm. do. It definitely plays a role, you know, that wrestling, that kind of fun spirit that the dads bring in, that that is really great the for the kids. Yeah. But women tend to nurture and men tend to... to Go ahead, climb the tree. Yeah, Go jump off fall. the roof. Come on, I'll catch you. Yeah. Hey, if it's yeah. going to help the connection, why not, right? Right, right, yeah. right. right. So. Yeah, and it's, it's those things that I wish my dad would have participated with me. My dad was kind of a very hardworking man. Mm-hmm. Very little words. It was just kind of get up in the morning, go to work, come back, and just kind of like, did you do what you had to do today? Mm-hmm. It was never congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got good grades. You hit a double in baseball and stuff like that. I never got any kind of, I guess, um, reward from my dad. And, and when I see parents nowadays, I was like, dang, I wish my dad could have been like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think he knew any better. I think yeah. he mm-hmm. was kind of, he was brought up in a very difficult way, lost his mom at a very young age. And he kind of became like the mom, so to speak, because he was taking care of his uh, younger sisters and stuff. So then when I came around, my dad was already 38 when I was born. Mm-hmm. And um, he was very, he was very difficult with me. You know, yeah. he, he, had, he was kind of a grumpy man. My mom was kind of like the more soothing mm-hmm. parent. If there's anything that I learned from my dad was if you're going to start something, finish it. Mm-hmm. You know, work hard and you'll and be respectful to others. But I, I always kind of carry that with me where I wish you could have been there. Like, for example, baseball games. I was always like kind of had another parent kind of drive me to the baseball games. Mm-hmm. And I would see that relationship with them. And I was like, man. I wish my dad was here. And it was never like that. Uh, my dad is still around, fortunately, and we kind of touch bases when I go visit him in Mexico. And, and we and I kind of talk about my childhood to him. And, and he's kind of opened up about, you know, saying, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really, it really stimulates certain emotional fibers in me because I was like, oh, I wish I could just go back in time and I would have done things different. But, you know, the past is in the past. Mm-hmm. Now I could be different with my kid, you know, because I don't want her to feel where I felt. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, put a bad rap on my dad, mm-hmm. but I just wish things would have been different. So I just wanted to add that. Yes. No, we and that's about. great. Yeah. I, I think a lot of us yeah. Uh, yeah. and a lot of our listeners can probably relate because back in the day, and yeah. I think you can agree, doctor, that fathers played more the role of a provider. I know I can definitely relate with that. Mm-hmm. And I've also had that conversation with my dad where he's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any better. I didn't know how, you know, I wish I, I could have done yeah. this or that. Now I see him, he has other kids and I see him that he's, he's kind of doing that with his kids. I'm like, okay, well, good. I'm glad he's changing things around. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think the thing is to just learn from those experiences. mm -hmm. But a lot of folks listening could relate to the story of an absent dad that Mm -hmm. perhaps was doing another role like provider or just was really Mm -hmm. checked out and then have realized that's not how I want to do it. I know that's a story for my husband. My husband met his father, his biological father, when he was 17. So he was raised by his grandparents. Mm -hmm. He is... He's like the world's best dad, you know, with yeah. my kids. I see him and he's amazing with them. And so he's definitely decided to charter a different path. That's, that's awesome. the story of many people. We take from our experiences and we learn from them. And we change things right. around and make yeah. them right. better. So right. that's right. that's great. And it's never late to foster that relationship. No, right. Never. Mm-hmm. So. so moving forward, um, I'm going to circle back to Bill. You're a granddad now. Yes. Have you talked to your son about how you want them to be as a parent, how you want them to raise their kids? What have you passed on to them? Yeah, we've talked about it. We've had mm-hmm. uh, what's been good about my my son and my daughter is that we've had open conversations about these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so, my son is uh, he he's a hardworking. He's uh, he went to graduate school while he's while he actually they had their third child while he was in graduate school. So now he works wow. at a job. Yeah, <laughs> and now he works at a job where it, it takes a lot of his time. But I see his priority is his family. Mm-hmm. He spends as much time as he can with 
with his girls and he plays with them. I see the engagement like when I played with my kids. So uh, we've talked about it, but I see it lived out. Okay. He has a very playful nature about and there he and his wife are incredibly intentional about parenting. In fact, I, you know, I send them this pod, not just this, this podcast, but I send them The Struggle is Real mm-hmm. and they read them and they, they comment on them. Cool. So, yeah. so there you go. You're passing down those resources as well. Yeah, now for yeah. girls, for girls, how important, doctor, is it that dads not only talk to their daughters about what a good man should look like, but also model that behavior for what to look for or what to expect as women? Pretty huge. There's been mm-hmm. some interesting studies done about that, and it's actually shown that the qualities that girls are attracted to in terms of the future romantic relationships are definitely informed by the father figure that they have at home. Let's think about that as dads. You are who they are seeing is the picture of a male. That's how they're supposed to behave. That's what you know they're supposed to respect, and that's how they're supposed to be. And so that's what they're going to look for in future relationships. And so. Definitely, Dad, see yourselves as the training ground for your future in-laws. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Now, to Bill and Omar, I know you both have You're daughters. picking on me too much today. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you guys are dads and you have daughters. Yes. Have you had that conversation? What do you kind of do? Is it like a, a daily thing? What do you do so that you make sure that they know what that good man looks like. So my daughter's 27, Mm -hmm. and she's been married for two years now. We've had those conversations in the past, and it's interesting. So she's older, and I've seen her live it out as Mm -hmm. far as the the boys that she has dated. (laughs) And my daughter has shown a lot of security. My daughter has made good choices when it comes to relationships with men. And the guy that she, she ended up marrying is a wonderful guy. Yeah, I've seen that played out, and I think it's because... She knew she was loved at home. She Mm -hmm. was loved by her mother and me. So she didn't have to go looking for that anywhere else. Her cup was already filled. That part of her life was already whole in a sense. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have to go out looking for love. Exactly. You know, so. That's important. Wow. Well, on this side, I'm freaking out because (laughs) my kid just turned 11 and she's she's, uh, developing very fast. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden she starts, she's developing in front of my eyes and she's almost as tall as I am. I guess she got the Ramos uh, jeans or something, but she's... She's just stretching out. But one thing that I've noticed about Eliani, even though she's stretching out, her her mind is still like um, she wants to play with dolls Mm -hmm. and video games and stuff like that, which is fine. And she could do that all of her life if she wants. (laughs) But uh, I, I am. I am. You know, I do think about it. You know, the whole dating thing. We haven't sat down and talked about it yet. I don't think it's the moment. But what I have done is when she's with me, I try to be the best model for her. When we sit down and we order food, I'm very respectful. I've always been a very respectful kid. So she sees that and, you know, thank you, please. And she's like, she's like, she emulates everything that I do. Thank you very much. Please. I want her to see in me mm-hmm. the guy that I want her maybe someday to, to choose, right? I want the guy to be kind of like daddy. That's kind of like the way that I'm managing it right now. And I think we've done a good job. She's at that point where she's going through the whole hormonal changes and stuff like that. And I'm freaking out because I can't believe that my baby girl is stretching out and she's already wearing different kinds of clothing and she's inquiring about, you know, dolls and a little bit of makeup. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she's yeah. growing well, up. Yeah, well, this is, um, it's, it's creeping up yeah. on me, the you know, little by little. Real. But yeah. the struggle is real. Yeah, yeah. Gosh darn it. Um, but little by little, but at the same time, I'm just trying to be, hey, look, this is the way that I am, and I want you to, in the future, when it comes to 
somebody asks you on a date, you know, like a school dance, just make sure that he's respectful with you. And then he says, please, because if he doesn't say please, you're not going out with him. So <laughs> that's where I stand with that. That's there great. you go. That's well, great. thank you very much for sharing. Welcome Eddie Morales as well, who is Eddie. also part of our family. Welcome, Bridges. Eddie. He also wrote a blog, a very uh, beautiful blog. It's called The Prodigal Dad, The Forgiving Son. And for those listening to us, you can find it on FamilyBridgesUSA.com as well as Bill's blog. They're both up there. Tell us more about the blog and the relationship you had with your father. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the blog and the, the story that I shared was probably one of the most vulnerable and most uh, the craziest interactions that I had with my father, but I think it was a necessary one for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my father was in my life for pretty much my whole adolescent years until I was 18. So uh, it was the day of my high school graduation kind of ceremony party, and my dad ended up leaving uh, our family. And so I'm 18, uh, getting ready to go to college. And uh, our family's just suffering through this kind of chaos. Dad's not there anymore. Mom, brother, myself, we're all kind of hurting. I'm kind of asking questions. I'm thinking, is there some things that I did to help prompt this? And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of things going through uh, our family at the time, just very uh, painstaking in, in a lot of different ways. And so uh, I remember a moment where my mom was kind of consoling my brother, and uh, he was kind of taking things a little bit differently and kind of... Uh, he keeps likes to keep things in emotionally, but um, he just broke down crying. My mom broke down crying, and, and I had to follow suit, and we were just sitting on the floor all kind of crying because it was, it was that painful, that traumatic. And so, mm-hmm. so I go away to college. My dad's kind of out of our life at that time, and um, amongst a number of different years, uh, he ends up divorcing my mom. Uh, he's away with kind of doing his own thing, and uh, uh, I think in 2009, he comes back into our life basically with, with nothing. Um, he's uh, needs to go to rehab, things like that. And so, uh, again, it was another period of not having him in our lives, kind of seeing him a little bit in and out of rehab. Once he kind of gets himself at a good spot, my mom had said that he can come back into the house and trying to reconcile things. Mm-hmm. But then he goes back to Puerto Rico and lives with his parents for about almost a year. And by this time, I'm almost graduating college. So again, it's like about four or five year period where, you know, I think in, in a very pivotal point in, in a young man's life is, especially when you're looking for guidance and how to, you know, how do you navigate these young adult years of your life? You want to look for some type of male figure to help mm-hmm. you with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that my mom didn't do a good job of helping to guide us and, and navigate us through things, but I think there's some power of having that male figure in your life to help guide a young man through some of those life experiences. And so dad comes back into the picture, just graduating college and very awkward. <laughs> Who's this guy? I lost a lot of respect, built up bitterness and resentment for him towards him because of that whole time of him being away. Why did you leave? All these questions. And so so that time I was going through some things of my own, going through a bad breakup and came to the faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, in, in that year's time, uh, my dad's back into the picture, kind of going through depression, just a lot of different things happening. But we end up going to a men's retreat. I invited him to a men's retreat. And this is kind of where the blog focuses. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of background there, but the blog focuses on this moment. So through this men's retreat, kind of peeling back layers and things like that. And I felt like for a long time, I had just kind of swept this incident of my dad leaving under the rug. Mm-hmm. And I never really addressed it. So in this men's retreat, you know, the pastor's kind of giving bold steps to all the guys there. And this is a room filled of three, 400 guys. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I'm sitting towards the end, and it's literally like the last part of the retreat, and my heart just starts p- 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 
pounding like super loud. I get this like weird feeling and I'm just like, I got to forgive my dad. So I make my way through kind of the wave of men, kind of pushing them aside, get to the front. And I wasn't going to do it. I'm kind of thinking in my mind, like, can I wait to just do it at home on the drive home? Can I just do this at the dinner table tonight? Like, why do I got to do it right here? So I go up to the front and make my way to the stage and I'm super nervous. So I start talking to the pastor about the situation and, and, you know, addressing the men. And I said, um, I felt like I need to forgive my father. And so he, you know, the pastor said, Hey, is, uh, is your father here today? I said, yeah, he's here. And so they call out and they're looking around and he's looking around and my dad's not even in the room. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, how embarrassing, right? It's <laughs> like, maybe I have to do this on the way home. But, um, my dad was out. I think, I don't know what he was doing at the time. So like, there's a, like a search crew that goes out and looks for him. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting up there for like 10, 15 minutes, like oh, wow. sweating, nervous, all this stuff. And, um, finally they find him. And so he comes up to the front You know, the pastor's like, Hey, um, your son has something to tell you. I look at my father right in the eyes and I said, Dad, you know, I, um, I know we've been through a lot as a family and uh, there's just something I just feel like I need to put behind and, ch- and I'm choosing to put behind today. You know, I, I feel like there's probably a lot of guilt and shame and things that um, are holding you down. But I just wanted to tell you that you don't have to be held down and that I choose today to forgive you. We hugged and cried in front of three or four hundred men, and uh, I feel like that was such a pivotal point in our relationship. Um, it was 23, 24 at the time, but just the choice and the decision to make to forgive my father amidst everything that happened mm-hmm. in that moment. When I tell this story, I think whether it's for a father, a mother, or any type of relationship, it's mm-hmm. this process of working through conflict and getting to a point of reconciliation and resolution, right? I feel like there's no better relationship that a boy can have is except with his father you know there's there's a lot of power behind that type of relationship not again i love my mom she's Mm -hmm. always been a strong hold in our life she was the one that's been encouraging me since the start very supportive but there's just some things that you can't replace that a father can do like alicia and bill were saying the power of words and blessings that that father has you know to this day when my dad speaks into my life nothing that can replace that and so uh just that moment. Sometimes I feel like a moment's experience can provide a lifetime of wisdom. And I think that moment for me was like powerful, right? It's teaching me how to forgive, not just with my father and my mother, but my future wife, my future family, and to be able to model that. You know, you guys talked about leaving a legacy and things like that before. So, yeah. Beautiful. I think it's powerful. Now that you're saying it, I think many people will probably relate to your story. Yeah. Doctor, what can you say to the teens or young adults that have had an absent parent at any particular point in their lives? What a beautiful uh, testimony. Thank you so much, Eddie, for mm-hmm. sharing. And I, yeah. I've heard so many stories of adolescents that are just really angry, mm-hmm. very, very mad. And it's because of whatever circumstances, the absence of their father who's walked away. Eddie just gave a beautiful picture of what can happen that they can, you know, if you are a teen or a young adult or an older adult and you're carrying around the weight and the baggage of what could have been and wasn't Mm -hmm. because of a father being absent, that you can forgive and that you don't have to carry that baggage and you can start a new chapter of your life. You can't control whether your father will be present and reconcile. And in some circumstances, perhaps that's not even optimal or healthy, Mm -hmm. but you can definitely take the weight off by forgiving and taking that step forward. Beautiful. Anything that you would like to say to your father at this time and moment, Eddie, through this podcast today and in memory of your parents as well? Yeah. Yeah. Just again, for the listeners, forgiveness is freeing. 
and I'm so glad that I was able to experience that moment with my father. Dad, I thank you for the good and the bad times. Through the trials, we can learn a lot, and through the good times, we can cherish a lot. Just to see the the difference you've become in the last seven, eight years. I mean, the story continues from that. Not, not just did my dad come back in, but my parents' marriage got reconciled. They remarried. Um, my dad's being a very faithful husband. Uh, he's being a great grandfather and a great dad. And it's kind of cool as I start to prepare for a relocation and transition uh, in my own life to now marriage and relocating to Phoenix. I've uh, been trying to be very adamant about spending time with him and learning things from him. So, you know, we're going to do things around the house and whatnot, but uh, thank you for, in the midst of trial, mo- modeling to me what it looks like to to be a man and to learn how to, to reconcile things and rectify things uh, in a very God-honoring way. So Awesome. What do you want to say to your fathers, everyone? Happy Father's Day, but what message do you want to give your fathers? Bill? Well, I would say that, you know, my father, he delighted in his family. He delighted in me and uh, my sisters. Being a parent wasn't, wasn't burdensome. It wasn't an obligation. He loved us. I just want to thank my dad for that and for being present. He was there because he wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And I got that, that engagement. And he was engaged. And so that was a gift he gave me that I have with my kids. And so I want to thank my dad for the high value and the love of family, of relationship, just connecting on that level, doing what's necessary to, to do that. So happy Father Father's Day. My father passed away a number of years ago, but he's still with me mm-hmm. in this, yeah, yeah, in, uh, in my heart and uh, throughout my family, I see that. Beautiful. Doctor? My father, definitely, you know, he passed away four years ago. Definitely strong imprint in my life. Just so thankful for his nurturance of the creative spirit and just the vision that he had and somehow passed on to me and his strong sense of ethics and strong sense of commitment that he charted for our home and for our family and and just very present in our lives. So extremely thankful for him. Definitely miss him a lot, but it is what it is. So I would encourage um, dads out there to be with your kids, love them, encourage them, speak into their lives that that's definitely going to stay with them for the long haul. Most definitely. Thank you. Omar. And uh, my pops, even though he's on the other side of the uh, the border, he's in Mexico, I understand why you left. I understand that things were not easy when we were, you know, in California and why everything just kind of collapsed. I do thank you for teaching us that, like Dr. Lisa said, strong sense of commitment. Um, I think my sisters and I, we are good people because of you. Um, we've learned because of you, and uh, we forgive you for many things. And I think, like Eddie was saying, that's where when you allow yourself to forgive, it, it sets you free. And it was something that I kind of carried in me for a long time. Even though my parents, each one has their own life now, I understand why we're at where we're at now, mm-hmm. and I understand that. And I forgive both of them, especially my dad. So thank you. And... Uh, I'm going to get a little sensitive here, but uh, we'll leave it at that. Happy, happy Father's Day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To my dad, I just want to say, it is um, story hits home a lot. Yeah. Uh, very similar story. But I am very happy to be able to reconnect with my father. So I just want to say to all those of you that have had a difficult relationship, you can still restore it. You can still move forward and just uh, reconnect with your dad. Mm-hmm. Dads are important. 
Yes, they are. Um, moms are awesome, but dads, dads will impact your life for good or for bad. So be there, dads. Be there. <laughs> and then, of course, the, the $1 million question. What gift do you guys want for this Father's Day? Well, uh, gosh, I hmm. what, what what I want is um, you know the one thing that only my kids could give me is time, time with them. So I would love to have time with them. That would be like, you know, whether it be uh, a meal or a bike ride or something like that. My kids, when they were younger, the things that they made some uh, real importance to it. Like my son made a, I remember a bookmark that he made. There's a picture of me on there, but um, it looked more like a bear. And it said, I love you. So I actually, this was like when he was eight years old, and I laminated that thing, and I kept it. And so my daughter also, when the day she got married, she gave me a tie as a gift. And on the backside of the tie is a heart that she had cut out material that says, your little girl forever. Mm-hmm. And I had the date. It's stuff like that. Yes. I mean, you're not going to buy that in a store. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the kind of gift that, that I'd love to get. You see, dads like that kind of stuff, too. <laughs> Very nice. Omar? Ah, well, Eliane, if you're listening, I hope next time I ask you <laughs> that I want to go fishing with you, you say yes. I think she has an issue with worms and oh. cutting them and splitting them and putting them on the hook and stuff like that. That's yeah. like my thing. I'll lend you my son. Cool. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, so Eliani, if you, if you can, uh, you know, say yes to my invitation and we'll be good. Awesome. Sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being uh, with us today on this Father's Day special. Thank you so much to our invited guests. And tune in to our next podcast where we'll be continue our faith series with podcast and Let Go and Let God is the name of the next one that we have around the corner. That's right. You can find more resources for parents or parent groups uh, in your community on our Family Bridges app, which you can download also on iTunes. Follow us on social media, hashtag The Struggle is Real, or simply hashtag TSIR for blocks, tips, and more. Thank you so much for listening to The Struggle is Real. I am Omar Ramos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next time. Happy Father's Day. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com. 